0: We would all please stand as we enter into the Word and go into prayer. Listen. Thank you. Tom has blessed us with a reading. I'm going to be taking a look at two other texts of Scripture, um, one in Isaiah and one in, in, one in Luke. They will be up on the screen, so you don't need to follow along if you feel like you need to chase it down. Isaiah chapter 7, uh, starting in verse 10. Again, the Lord spoke to Ahaz. Ask a sign of the Lord your God and let it, be as, let it be deep as Sheol and high as heaven. But Ahaz said, I will not ask and I will not put the Lord to the test. And he said, Hear then, O house of David, is it too little for you to weary men that you weary my God also? Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. And behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. And then Luke in chapter 1, starting in verse 30. And then we will be resting in Luke for the rest of the time. Luke chapter 1 and verse 30. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And his kingdom there will be no end. And Mary said to the angel, how will this be since I am a virgin? This is God's word. You may be seated as we go into prayer this morning. Father, as we gather around your word and we gather around your throne, I want to thank you first off that we have the ability to be here today, that we see some faces that we haven't seen in a while because you have enabled them to be here. I'm thankful for them. I pray, Lord, that you just bring protection to them and that your hands would be upon them. I'm thankful, Lord, that we can gather this morning in this beautiful sunshine with snow on the ground. Pray for continued healing for Steph's dad and for peace for her mom and a the settledness there as he's home now. And and we pray recovering in a good way. I pray that you would just bring peace for both of them, for Steph, for Andy, and for the kids. And and for her mom and her dad that you would just continue to watch over them and you would have your hand upon them at this time and for Chad and Valerie and and Nazarene as they travel this week Lord we lift them up to you we pray your peace your understanding uh, the grace and the mercy Lord that you just pour out upon your people that it would be poured out upon them as they travel that you would protect them Lord that you would Watch over them, that you would give doctors and nurses the wisdom that is necessary, that you would give them answers, Lord, that you would just bless the entire process. Pray your peace and your protection over them, bring them back to us safely. Lord, we pray for those this weekend as well who were were hurt right at the plant here in town. We're thankful, first off, Lord, that the explosion happened at lunch. As, As bizarre as that may be, but there were very few people that were hurt because it happened at a time when the room was empty. We pray, though, for those who are still behind, um, who need healing for the burns and for the concussions and and the damage that was done there. Lord, I pray your peace be upon them and upon their families. And I ask, Lord, that you would look over that entire facility and you would watch over that as they repair that room and they seek to find out exactly how to walk through this particular accident, Lord, at this time of the year. And I pray your blessing upon everyone, upon Dave as, as the department that he's in, and you would just watch over him as they continue to lead forward and just put things back together. We are thankful, Lord, that you care so much for your people. Lord, we are just thankful that today we can gather around your word. So I ask as we look at a story that becomes so very commonplace to us at this time of the year, that you would open up our hearts, you would make them soft. You would open up our minds, Lord, that we would receive your word. Help us to see some things that perhaps we've never seen before. Help us to understand in a way, Lord, that perhaps we've never understood before. Help us to receive, Lord, those things that you have desired to give us, but we have not been able to or we have not been ready yet for. So, Lord, I pray that your word will be open to us today. In Jesus' name, I pray these things. Amen. Okay. Um, Titled the message very simply this week, Mary. Last week it was Zachariah helps us to keep track of things very simply when we just have a name attached to it, perhaps. Uh, We're going to be looking primarily at what Tom signed for us this morning as the opening reading of Scripture, Luke chapter 1 and verse 26 and following. And again this week, we're going to be tackling that long-term faithfulness to God, puts you in the right place at the right time to be obedient to the call that God has for you. But what I want us to see this week, much as we did last week in continuing, is the fact that He chooses who He wishes, He chooses from where he wishes, and he chooses how he wishes in order to move his plan forward on this planet. What he is looking for is obedient people. And when he finds obedient people in the midst of that, his plan goes forward. And that, Dietrich Bonhoeffer says, is the wonder of all wonders, that God loves the lowly. God is not ashamed of the lowliness of human beings. God marches right in. He chooses people as his instruments and performs his wonders where one would least expect them. God is near the lowliness. He loves the lost, the neglected, the unseemly, the excluded, the weak, and the broken. As Dietrich Bonhoeffer from his Advent readings, God is in a Manger. And I've chosen that quote specifically from his Advent writings for this Sunday because it's important. It's important that we remember these things, that God chooses those to whom the world sees sometimes, more often than not, as unfit. That God chooses those who perhaps seem to be past their prime, or even more bizarrely, who are before their prime, as we're going to learn today, as it would seem, and unworthy to move his plan forward, people that we would not expect God to look at and go, that is my vessel for this moment in time. And that's what we're going to discover today as we look at this young lady from this obscure northern village and her encounter with the angel Gabriel. You see, these characters that we discover this year as we dig into this Christmas story and journey through a very common story that we visit at this time of the year are a fascinating group of people if you spend the time to dig in because we have Isaiah the prophet the very first week as we learned about who he was writing years and years before these events ever took place standing on his tiptoes as it were looking down the long corridors of time trying to discover exactly what it was and who it was he was writing about longing to find out who that was trying to understand who it was that God was giving him to write about. Last week we learned about Zechariah and Elizabeth, didn't we? Those two older people past their prime and their perceived usefulness. They find themselves right smack in the middle of God's providence, more than useful. When God says through the angel, you are the ones who are going to give birth to the herald of the king. In fact, they'll go down in the pages of history as that over the hill couple who brought forth by God's blessing and God's goodness the messenger who would declare the coming of the Messiah. That song chosen this week that Bob sang for us was purposefully so chosen and rightfully so. Asks that question Mary, did you know? Mary, did you know? It's what a question. Think, what a question. It's a beautiful hymn about a beautiful young lady whom we tend to push aside because of how she is venerated by others. So we minimize her role because others sometimes maximize her role, much to our shame, quite frankly, and much to our loss. As we're going to discover today, she is, in fact, blessed among women as well as an example of what it means to be absolutely obedient in the midst of the call of God. And Luke moves us quickly from scene to scene here in the beginnings of his gospel as he writes the details of each of these careful events that he's researched surrounding the story of this John the Baptist and then Jesus the Christ We're moving from place to place very quickly. This is the one that Luke himself as a Greek physician has come to accept as the fulfillment of all the Old Testament writings which Paul the Apostle had been preaching. Somewhere along the line in the book of Acts we discover that Luke decides that he's going to follow along and be the companion of Paul. He's a doctor, and we discover here today, as well as that, he's a historian, as much as he is a doctor. And Luke is out for the details of what's going on, and Luke is out for the truth of what is behind the stories that are being preached by Paul the Apostle. And he wastes absolutely no time at all in putting us, as his readers, some 2,000 years on, into a time and into a space as he moves from Jerusalem, the city, all the way up north to the little village, and it says in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. In his research, I firmly believe that at some point along the way, if she was still living, Luke must have spoken to Mary. It would make perfect sense, and I don't think it's unreasonable at all for us to think this. And Can you imagine for a moment, think on this. Luke's a historian. He wants facts. He wants details. Now along in years, there she is. He comes knocking on the door, reflecting back on those events that occurred as they unfolded all those years ago in her very young years. Now why say that? Why would I say that? Well, because, you know, Luke is, again, a historian. I'll say that again and again and again. We need to understand that this isn't a made-up story. Luke is an historian, and he is out for the facts of history and why it is he believes what he believes. And he defines right at the outset of his gospel what the purpose and intent of this particular book in the Bible is all about when he says, Inasmuch as many have undertaken to compile a narrative of the things that have been accomplished among us, just as those who from the beginning were eyewitnesses In ministers of the word have delivered them to us. It seemed good to me also, having followed all things closely for some time past, to write an orderly account for you, most excellent Theophilus, that you may have certainty concerning the things that you have been taught. It's the whole purpose of this letter to have certainty. Luke, again, the historian, was interviewing those who were eyewitnesses of these events. So it's not unreasonable then to assume that it's somewhere along the line he sought out Mary as she would be the perfect one to give the details to such an intimate event. And then he records that encounter for us here. And he's very purposeful in doing so. We see that in verse 4. That you may have certainty. He wants us to be assured of the things that he's teaching us. To the point where he tells us, "Look at, I just didn't pull this out of thin air. This isn't even third hand. It's not even second hand. As much as possible as I could, I went to those people who were eyewitnesses of these events that I'm telling you about. First hand accounts of what happened. First hand accounts. I mean, can you imagine the conversation? Perhaps as they sat around a table, yeah, here I'm, I'm here, and I just I figured I'd come to see you, and I'm putting this whole story together for a friend of mine. But I wasn't there. I've heard Paul preach." I've heard what's been told me, and and you were there, and I wanted to talk to you about exactly what it was that happened. See, because I'm a believer in your son, can can you tell me exactly what happened that day when it all began? See, real people. Oh, I was really young, very young, living in Nazareth way in the north with my family, just kind of out in the field or under a tree or whatever it was. And so the conversation would go. Just like we have conversations every single day with one another. Luke recording what it is she's saying and then putting it all together for his friend Theophilus so that he would understand. Oh yeah, Theo, it is exactly as you say. Everything that you've been told and everything that you say and everything that I've been told and everything I say, it's true. I know it's true because I've spoken with his mother and here's what she told me. That he came to her and said, Greetings, O oh favored one, the Lord is with you. But, but Mary was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greetings this must be. Changes the perspective of the story when you look at it that way, doesn't it? It's not just a little storybook written. This is a young lady, a young lowly girl from a very obscure place, is face to face with an angel. Face to face with an angel. Troubled, troubled deeply and trying to figure it out as any one of us would. As any one of us would. Why, why, why me? Why now? What does this all mean? What's really going on here? Sensing the concern, Gabriel says to her, the angel said, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God, and behold, you will conceive in your womb, and you'll bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. Now, you know, I'm reading this, and I'm thinking to myself, this is unhelpful. This is incredibly unhelpful. When he senses her concern, and he, can, he senses the fact that she's uneasy, to go at it this way, Okay, you've been visited with an angel. That's a little bit shaky as it is, all right? So we're going to try and help you feel better. And what we're going to do is tell you not to be afraid. Why? Because you found favor with God. Okay, that's all good. But yeah, by the way, you're going to have a baby. So that really ought to calm you down. That's not really helpful to me by way of relaxing a young lady who's a little bit shaken up. At least not in my mind. I wouldn't be more settled at that point. But you see, Luke just keeps writing down what Mary's telling him. And just think about that. Picture that. What is Mary saying? Because it just keeps getting better and better and better and better. Luke writes down what has been confirmed for him in his spirit all along as he's been a companion of Paul the apostle. And the angel said to her, he will be great and will be called the son of the most high. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And his kingdom, and of his kingdom there will be no end. Just the settling in your spirit. Oh, okay, you just see Luke writing and writing. So that's how it happened. That's the details of what's going on. Now what happens next in my studies, I discovered, is a lot of debate in the commentaries. And I'm not going to spend a whole lot of time in that in relation to this, where all the, the little geeks, they hide in their room, and the theological eggheads argue about all of this different stuff. But it is important to note that there are some really strange things that get brought up in relation to how Mary responds to what it is the angel says to her. And it is all dependent upon what your faith tradition is and what angle you take. When they ask the question, why did she ask, how? How is this going to happen? So let's let Luke speak to that as opposed to trying to figure out what everybody else is thinking because the scripture is pretty simple and clear. And you know we like to be impressed with ourselves, but there it is on the page. She asked because she knew, quite frankly, even way back then in the dark ages, the mechanics of nature. We understand certain things. Okay, Now, much to the disappointment of many modern thinkers, atheists especially, who want to blow this entire story up, that yes, even in Jesus' day, people knew two things. When you die, you stay dead. And when you are with child, particular things need to occur beforehand in order to make that happen. Therefore, it's very simple for me to understand when Mary asked because it hadn't happened how will this be since I am a virgin okay and we can argue all day long about what it really means and what it means but it's pretty simple to me all right she's a human being a real person in real time she understands certain things need to happen they didn't happen therefore any logical person would go I'd ask the same thing how right okay something new's going on here makes perfect sense It also makes perfect sense at the same time too that if this is the course that's going to be taken for this young lady that she would also want to make sure that this is really going to occur because no woman at that time, no woman today is going to put themselves in a position like she is being told she is going to be in willingly. Unless, of course, God is telling her to. Well, why? Because in doing so, guess what you're doing? You're signing your death certificate. It's a little bit bizarre back then. First off, she'd be labeled as an adulteress for having become with child outside of wedlock. And if she wasn't stoned for that, it would move on to the blasphemy charges that would be added to her because she has the audacity to try and convince everybody that, oh yeah, by the way, I am a little bit with child and it was God that did it. It's a strange story, isn't it? You see why it's really hard to accept by those who have never heard this story before? Or even believe that God exists. Don't get so comfortable as a believer in Jesus in the scriptures. That we look at people who aren't and say to them, I don't understand why you don't get this. Because quite frankly, this is weird. Stuff like this doesn't happen. But it did. So you have to have grace and mercy and be patient with those who look at you and go, I'm not so sure about that. This is why Luke, again, he's a historian. He's recording things that are factual. Because, frankly, if we are honest with ourselves and we're writing a story, we wouldn't write it like this. Because it's doomed from the outset. You just simply would not start a story in this way and expect anybody to believe it at any level at all, even today. Unless the story itself was true. That's the only explanation for why you would start a story this way. is if, in fact, Luke went and did his digging and talked to the people who had been there, and they said, yep, it is exactly as you're being taught. See, so this story isn't like all these other virgin myths that they have and all the ancient Near Eastern stories and all that stuff. Not at all. To say so or think so misunderstands both this story and those ancient Near Eastern stories. Because none of those stories stay what the angel here says. He said to her, the Holy Spirit will come on you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. Dynamically different than any other creation story or myth story that you have way back then. Totally different. And there's two things to see within this response. First, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. That's important. And second, it is by the power of the Most High. The Holy Spirit will come upon you in the power of the Most High. Both of those phrases echo Genesis chapter 1 and verse 2 and the creation story itself. In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth, and the earth was formless and void, and darkness was over the deep, and the Spirit of God hovered. Out of nothing came something in that creation moment. The entire world and the entire universe, as we know it, came forth at that moment because God the Father, the Holy Spirit, and then when he spoke, God the Son through the word was all there. You see, there was nothing, and then there was something because God spoke. Once again, we have to understand that where there is nothing, God is. And that's what's happening here. So this story isn't impossible if God has his hand upon it. Because he can take nothing and make something. It's like the joke with the scientist that I can create, I can create, I can create when he has this argument with God. Oh, really, can you? Yes, I can create, I can create. Don't you worry, I can take this and I can create something out of that. And the Lord says, well, that's all well and good, but I started without dirt. You have dirt. Go get your own dirt. And then see what you can create. You have something that you're starting with. I had nothing. See, this is another creation moment at this time that we're seeing that Luke is recording for us. Another creation moment, making something, or more importantly, someone out of nothing. You see, the Godhead is seen right here at the beginning of Luke chapter one. Holy Spirit, the Most High. Therefore, the child will be holy, Son of God. You have Father, you have Son, you have Holy Spirit. It's amazing, isn't it? I think about this. We have the Son given. The Son is given. Just as Isaiah said, he is the eternal one, always existing, always creating, and now Jesus the man. Jesus the man, the finite one, is going to step into our time, away from all that eternal existence, to become the child born. The son is given, the child is born. Fully God, fully man. See, there was a time that you and I didn't exist. There was a time that we didn't exist, But that's not the case for Jesus. That is not the case for him. He has always existed as the eternal second person of the Trinity. He steps out of eternity, as Paul tells us in Philippians 2. He steps out of eternity and into time to become one of us, having a beginning and an end as a human being from a human perspective. That's a totally different story than anyone has ever presented before. He was not always man, but he is always God. That's what makes him fully God and fully man all at the same time. Now, the son given, the child born. I can imagine Isaiah must have wondered if he was repeating himself as he kind of wrote that. I've already got this down, Lord. You know this line now? A son born, a child given? I don't don't get that. But you see, time would reveal the mystery, wouldn't it? Time would reveal the mystery some 700 years on in God's providence and in his goodness. What Isaiah wrote was absolutely correct on both counts. The son would be given and the child would be born. And he would be named Jesus and Emmanuel. God with us, he's going to save us from our sins. The perfect man because he is fully God. All right here. Now Raymond Brown in Birth of the Messiah says that it will be consonant with the theology of new creation. Wherein God's spirit, active in the first creation of life, Genesis 1-2, was active again, right here in this story. Creating out of nothing, something. It's not impossible. Because all things are possible with God. We are not reading a fable. We are not reading an oddball story. No, no, no. Mary was hearing and she was remembering the scriptures that she had been taught as a little girl. She's recalling all of those things before her and this is why she asks and then putting the pieces together in the question of how and why even as a young lady we discover Mary gets it because what she says in verses 46 to 48 my soul magnifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior for he has looked on the humble estate of his servant for behold from now on all generations will call me blessed. She gets it. And we should do so. We should look on her as blessed. We should see what it is she did. Because what she says here is not an arrogant boast upon her part if we understand what Luke is recording for us. You see? Because it it is her statement about the truth and the wonder of God. Not about how special she is. But it's about the truth and the wonder of God and how he has chosen to act upon her and in and through her the savior of the world would come you see he has chosen this young lady to be a part of his rescue mission for this world and to reassure her of this the angel lets her in on that little thing that we learned about last week that's going on with her much older relatives way down south in the hills just south of Jerusalem he says behold your relative Elizabeth in her old age has conceived a son Okay, so you think it's a little weird going on here it gets better And this is the sixth month with her who was called barren, for nothing will be impossible with God. Now Luke, once again, masterfully sets us right down in time and space as he records the fact that we're at least six months on from the last visit with the angel Gabriel. These things just didn't happen in thin air. They happened to real people in real time, dealing with real life. And it's interesting That as the angel is telling her about Elizabeth, it seems helpful for Mary as she realizes that God can do anything. It just dawns on her all of a sudden. Whoa, okay. All right. Mary said, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. Probably one of the most powerful scriptures you can read. The angel departed from her. Why don't you think on this? A lifetime of faithful prayer is answered for two people beyond their prime in their useful years. We need to remember that. God acted on their behalf. He acted on their behalf. Elizabeth and Zechariah will have a son. Can you imagine what that looked like in their town? Folks in that town would have found that just a little bit outlandish, would they not, after all of these years of them trying and not having any children? They might have even thought it foolish, perhaps. They might have even thought it a little bit outside of the box of what they were thinking. Maybe Zechariah lost his marbles. I don't know. But you see, until the echoes of the scriptures began to get louder. It's a beautiful story. All of a sudden, they're recalling these things, and Zechariah was able to tell his story. And then as they began to piece all of these things together about who this little boy was, and they would have realized that something was happening again that hadn't happened since the ancient times. Because it had been 400 years of absolute silence. Malachi, what was it he said again? What was it he said again? Oh, yeah. That's what Zachariah said. The angel said to him. Something's going on here. And what was it again that Zachariah said? Could it be? Now, wasn't that young girl that just showed up last week, Elizabeth's relative from way up north. What was she doing here? Uh, Mary's her name, right? Yeah, I heard her talking to Elizabeth and they were talking about all the stuff that was going on in the temple with Zechariah. Could this mean what I think it means? Could it be that God is finally answering our prayers and he's going to act on our behalf again? Could it be that just like in the ancient times, all of a sudden he's going to begin to move and our prayers are being answered too? Who would have thought this way? I would have. Any one of us would have. And we think it's pretty obvious as we look backwards at history because we know the end of the story. Yet every one of these people were right in the middle of fulfilling prophecy. They didn't know the end from the beginning. They are operating purely by faith and the truth of the scriptures that they have. All they got. And they're taking one step at a time moving forward. And we, we just we don't want to miss this, what Mary said in verse 38, because it's her submissive attitude towards the call of God in her life. It's a beautiful thing. Without knowing and without having all of the answers to what it is she's being challenged to do, she brings herself under the authorities of the scriptures that she knows. I know what I know, and I know that God can be trusted at least that far. And he's calling me in my life to do this. So I'm going to bring myself under that authority because that's what he's told me to do. In other words, as we learned in men's group this past week, it is a dying to ourself and our desires in order that we may serve the Lord. And as a result, serve others. That's what Mary's doing here. Complete trust that God has called her to this. And as a result, he will protect her in and through the entire life. Process. It's a great comfort for us. We really need to get our hands around how comforting this is. Because let's realize here that in committing herself to his care, what this young lady is opening herself up to is slander and character assassination. Accusations of adultery and accusations of violating the law and her betrothal to Joseph. Every one of these things are guaranteed... It's not a question. This is going to happen. She was committing to bringing shame to her family in addition to all of that and to herself forever in that tiny little town in which she lived because God called her favored. Now let that settle. Bless you. So we can't miss that. We cannot miss that. Because that's somehow backwards in the whole grand scheme of things, isn't it? When we think about this, it is the lowly, as Bonhoeffer says, in which God finds welcomed. Isn't it? It's in the unexpected. It's in the lowly and the unexpected where God finds his home. Isn't it? It's not in the big high hills and the mansions. You see that lowly cattle shed where the manger for his bed. How silently, how silently the wonderful gift is given. So God imparts to human hearts the blessings of his heaven. Goes the little town of Bethlehem, him. That's where he finds it. This is an upside down and backward story as far as this world is concerned. You see, because in humility comes victory. In service, we find honor. So when we begin to fuss about how we're ill-treated sometimes or feel as though our rights are being stepped on or taken away, ask yourself this question. Am I facing these types of things in my complaints? Am I facing absolute and utter shame? Ostracism from my community and from my family? Am I facing these things? Am I facing character assassination and slander? The loss of my property and reputation damaging to my family? Am I, am I facing these things? Because I, I, I would say to you, you will find the answer to all of those questions an emphatic no. No. We're being picked on a little bit every once in a while. But the answer is no. So as a friend says to me on a regular basis when I get unsettled, he always looks at me very calmly and says, are you majoring in the majors or are you minoring in the minors? I find that gentle rebuke encouraging for me because it's important that we refocus ourselves and you should find that as well. You're majoring in the majors or you're minoring in the minors. Because you see, we're not walking what Mary walked out. She signed on to sacrifice her life in order to carry this child. Don't ever glance over that truth in passing in the reading of your scriptures. She sacrificed her very life in order to carry this child. There are very few of us, if we are honest with ourselves, who would genuinely forsake all of our rights to be completely subjected and obedient to another that's just the truth we struggle with it even within the church to make ourselves submissive and obedient to God the Father and then to one another it's the one place where it ought to be the first thing that we wrestle with in working out our salvation with fear and trembling as we become sanctified working ourselves towards that day are we dying to ourselves every day as Mary gives us this example this young 12 or 13 year old girl are we dying to ourselves every day in order that we may live for others. Are we doing that? See, when we don't, that's pride. Really, that's the ultimate thing. Pride is what it is. It's our desire to be in charge at some level and in control, even when we don't admit it. You see, because in humility, pride can be found if we aren't careful. We actually become proud in our humility. You know, someone gives you a humble button, and then you wear it so you can let everybody know that you want a humble button. Then they take it away from you because you get a little fat-headed about winning a humble button. Really defeats the whole purpose of the whole thing. But we, we, we tend to do that. And I know I struggle with this. I find myself looking more like the rich young ruler than I do Mary quite often. Now, perhaps I'm alone in this, but I don't think so. This is an issue we all deal with every day. And we have a beautiful example in this young lady. You see, because the first step we take is, is in identifying that we might have these problems. And then we lay them before the throne and say, Lord, not my will, but yours be done. Admitting that we struggle with these things. Uh, help us to be more like this young lady, Mary. When we get all fat-headed and get our dander up because we think something's being taken away from us. And we don't have this and we don't have that. And we need to fight for that. Is it really important to you, Lord, that we do these things? You see, shouldn't we look at this Christmas story and see Mary, again, as I say, 12 or 13 years old at best. That's just a fact. Far too young to anyone to be useful in their minds at that time. Far too young. And yet, she is our example of complete humility and servanthood. This young girl. You know who else looked exactly the same way as Mary did? Her boy. And his name was Jesus. He looked exactly as Mary did. Now think on this for a minute. She would have taught him, just like her father would have, but she would have taught him, her mother. You know how he learned how to treat women who were ostracized? His mother. You know how he learned how to walk in tenderness and humility before women who might have been at the well by themselves? His mother. Do you know why? Why? Because she was at the well by herself. Because people wouldn't talk to her. Because people questioned her character. And Jesus saw that. And he saw her response to that. And he saw his mom's obedience in that. Yes, fully God. But he learned how to be a man because of what he saw in his mother. He learned all of these things both from his father as well because you'll learn next week what his father had to give up in order to join Mary in this story. But I leave that for Joe. Jesus didn't become who he was by accident. And if you take nothing out of this today, take two things. Mary is our example of humility and submission. She sacrificed her entire life in order that you and I can sit here today and know what we know, that Jesus is king. And her son, in his growing up, observed how mom responded, observed how mom taught him, observed how she was treated, because she said, I am your servant. Do to me what you will. Not my will, Father, in the garden. But thine be done. Again, fully God, I understand that. But it was walked out for Jesus and all of his brothers and sisters and his mom. If I could have the worship team come forward, please, as we just close today. I know it's... When we take a look at these stories, my concern is always this. We get so used to reading them, we get so used to seeing them that every Christmas we just kind of go through it and we think it's neat. I want us to understand that we are dealing with real people, real time, real problems, real threats, real worries, serving a real God who stepped into time and into our space In order to call us home. In order to call us home. And for those of us who have heeded that call and have bowed the knee to Jesus, our task now, as we read these stories, is to understand how can we be like Mary in the midst of our daily struggles. How can we bow our knee to the call that God has placed upon us in our life. How can we serve other people in a way that brings glory to Jesus and allow Him to operate in and through us as His people? That's why the writer of the Hebrews says on a regular basis today, if you hear His voice, do not harden your hearts. He's calling each and every one of us. The question is, is can we be like a Mary? Can we be like a Zechariah? Can we be like an Elizabeth? It's a beautiful story. Every year I study this, I learn something new. Every year I study it, I learn something new. And I have learned this year that Mary, and I've known this for a while, but it really struck me, and we'll close with this. I look at her age, and I look at her courage, and I can't get beyond that 12 or 13 years old she gets a visit from an angel and because of what she knows to be true she says to the angel I'm the servant of the Lord do to me as you will I I don't know how but that's what's really settled in my spirit this year that I want to get my hands around To have that kind of servant's heart. To have that kind of obedience to what God calls me to. I want to challenge you, as you read this story, to ask the Lord, okay, where in my life can I be like Mary? Even if I can only take one step forward this year, Lord, and grow a little bit in that, where can I be more like Mary? I leave that with you as those who are willing to pray with folks who need it. If you could just find your spots, I would appreciate it. Let's stand. Father, as we just close in this this song here, I'm thankful, just continuing to be thankful for those, Lord who have lifted up before you who are in need of prayer. I'm thankful, Lord, for the ability that we can gather here. You loved us enough, Lord, to pour your grace and your mercy out upon us right where we are. But as any good parent, you love us too much to leave us where we are. Challenge each and every one of us here this morning as we take a look at what it was Mary stepped into. If there's any area in our lives, Lord, that we just need to lay before you. If there's any struggles that we have, I pray, Lord, that you would just move upon the hearts of those folks to step out. And we have folks who are willing to pray. Just lift up your burdens and your cares to the Lord that he would hear them. Or the only prayer that isn't responded to is a prayer that isn't prayed. So I would encourage you, whatever you're dealing with today, whatever you're struggling with or whatever you want to give thanks for I pray that you would step out there are folks in the back and there are folks up front and if you're here today and at some level you have never made that commitment to Jesus to where in your heart you, you just, you're feeling that tug and you're hearing that still small voice don't, don't harden your heart today it may not come tomorrow step out and talk to one of these folks that are around this worship center here this morning and, and let them know I want to walk into a relationship with Jesus, and I want to commit my life to him, and I want to receive him as as who he is, King and Lord of this universe. Help me to do that. I challenge you this morning. Quietly step out and, and speak to somebody this morning. Father, stir our hearts. In Jesus' name. the God who hears our prayers and the God who heals we just we continue to pray for all of those people that we lifted up already this morning and pray also for Charlotte as she deals with her lung issues I pray healing there and wisdom for her doctors and comfort for her Father we pray for Natalie and Lauren those little girls who just need to continue to grow as well we lift them up before you as well as everybody else we have put before your throne we thank you lord that you are a god who hears and answers prayers and we know that most especially because of jesus he came as your plan to fix this entire place and to call your people home and he came because we prayed he came because we prayed It came because there was a people who said, Lord, redeem us. We want to come home to you. And you from eternity past set that in motion when you said that you would send our Redeemer. Father, I pray that you would just remind us of that as we head out of here today and that we would have opportunity in our day-to-day dealings with everybody else outside of this building, Lord, to be able to share why it is we believe what we believe and the fact that Jesus is real he was a human being and yet he was fully God and that he has come to call us home pray that we will be used as your instruments Lord this week in whatever way you see fit and we just give you thanks and praise in Jesus name Amen, we're dismissed just want to remind you for those who want to continue to worship please just move forward and those who are ready to move on if you would just come through the back of the sanctuary that would be wonderful thank you